When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is The Ride with Royce. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. and for Patrick here on a very beautiful Wednesday in the Twin Cities. 45 degrees out there after yesterday, 47. And I am reminded that that stupid two snowstorms we got last, what, Thursday night and then Saturday night that dumped about 10 inches combined snow. Yep. We didn't have that. That hadn't happened, it'd be like 55 degrees, yeah. and the snow would all be gone. Okay, so for those of you that are basking, like my wife, loves those snowstorms. Can't stand no, them. No, I don't, because then it takes me like an hour to dig out of the driveway, just get my car out, and then after that with an old... I got this old snowblower, man. It, it, it I'm always worried that it's it's, it's, it's going to be done, you know, and it just keeps going. Because there's stuff I don't like to spend money on. Snowblower, yeah. you got to have a snowblower. And... And I don't want to spend any money on a snowblower. And I got one that works, and I'm going to keep that going. I forever. wish I had one. I could have used one on uh, yeah, Friday. <laughs> but mine works pretty good, except for, you know, it has the, you, you know, you can put it in, like, different gears to go faster, mm-hmm. more powerful. And then it and then you lift the handle, and it's supposed to stop going, and mine sticks. And it oh, kind of really? keeps going, so you're kind of fighting with So that's that's <laughs> not a good thing. I've done it a couple times, like, backing it into my driveway, and it's sticking in a, into my garage, and I'm trying to fend it off. Yeah, it's probably not a good <laughs> idea. I need to get that fixed. Uh uh, but anyway, welcome. We're going to be joined uh, in about 15 minutes, yeah, about 10 minutes by Matthew Collar. We're going to talk Vikings, which I'm going to open with here. And Jess Myers will join us at 530 to talk hockey. A lot to talk about in hockey, especially your Minnesota Wild, who right now, and I mentioned this on my show Sunday, uh, Manny, you know, the Vikings, you know, they were they were a true right, championship contender. We They obviously had the chance to win a championship this year. And we all kind of thought that that, you know, then it's and then the twins. Everyone's excited about them, and then the and the wolves. Everyone was excited about them. And of the four main teams in this town, who was the one that was kind of flying under the radar? We figured the ship had sailed. Uh, they might get lucky to make the playoffs. Was the wild, and especially after the, the way they bowed out last year. The way they bowed out St. last Louis. year, and and the way that they really played at the start of this year. Yeah. And the thing that we've learned from comparing the wolves season to the wild season is those two seasons are really long. Yes. Okay. And, and what you're doing the first half of those seasons is not nearly as important as you think it is, right? Because we thought all oh, the wild are terrible. If you're playing good by the end of the season, which the wild are right now, and, and you know, and you get in the playoffs, you, you got a shot. And we, meanwhile, we've seen the hopes we had for the Wolves kind of go by the wayside. And we'll talk about that later as well. But I wanted to open the show by talking about the news that it now appears that everyone's been talking about for the last three, four days which is that the Vikings are essentially have their sights set on Kirk Cousins. We've never heard it, the Vikings say that, but we've heard whoever Ian Rappaport is, 
Someone at the Vikings is is feeding Ian Rappaport what their plan is, right? I mean, does anybody hmm. know why he gets this news and the other guys don't in this town? Because he's the guy that came up that they're not going to franchise Case Keenum. Yep. He's the guy that came out that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a free agent. And now it's been widely speculated that the Vikings are all in on Kirk Cousins. And and everyone has an opinion on it, right? And everyone knows I have opinions. I have a, But I don't have an opinion on this, and I will tell you why. That unlike my opinion on Andrew Wiggins, which I feel 100% confident in because I've seen Andrew Wiggins play about 200 games, and I've studied him, and I've studied other players, and I watch a lot of NBA games, that I feel that I, I'm in a position that I can give at least an informed decision. You don't have to agree with it on Andrew Wiggins. And I felt I gave one uh, at, halfway through his third year that if everyone had listened to me, he wouldn't be sitting there with a max deal right now. Now, but on quarterbacks, how many games... Manny, have you seen Kirk Cousins play? I've seen Kirk Cousins play the game against the Vikings, which he mm-hmm. played great, and his receivers let him down. And that, that was a great shootout between Kirk Cousins and Case Keenum. Case Keenum won that shootout, but I think Case Keenum won that shootout because Case Keenum's receivers were great in that game, and Kirk Cousins' receivers in that game were lousy. They have some guy named Crowder who dropped about three passes. A tight end dropped a couple more, and it was a very close game. But I was very impressed with, with, with uh, Kirk Cousins in that game. And looking at the Vikings last year, the only quarterbacks that lit up the Vikings last year is obviously they only played Aaron Rodgers about half of a quarter, and he didn't do anything in that half a quarter before he got hurt. And, you know, Drew Brees lit him up the last 17 minutes of that game, right? And then Nick Foles lit him up for the whole game in the NFC Championship game. Other than that, the only quarterback that really lit them up was Kirk Cousins. Mm -hmm. Kirk Cousins, you know, they put 30 points on the board. Kirk Cousins threw for 300-some yards. And the Vikings had trouble handling Kirk Cousins in that game. And I thought and Kirk Cousins really impressed me in that game. And and I saw Kirk Cousins play a game against Seattle uh, the week before that when Kirk Cousins had no offensive line cuz all of his guys were hurt and Kirk Cousins pulled out a victory in Seattle under incredible duress from his off when the, remember remember the Redskins had half their offensive line hurt and they got those guys back by the Vikings game and they were a little bit better. Yeah. But other than that I haven't watched Kirk Cousins play very much. I've seen Case Keenum play one season. Before that, I'd never seen him play again. I have no idea what Teddy Bridgewater's health is, and we all know that I would no one would put any money into into uh, Bradford because of his knee situation, right? So, am I qualified to say whether they should sign Kirk Cousins or sign Case Keenum? I don't really feel I am. But you know who I think is? I think John D. Filippo is. I think John did you, did, in the Athletic this week, Chad Chad uh, Chad Graff, who's now working for the Athletic, he's been on our station before. Uh, worked for the Pioneer Press for years, talks about DiFilippo, DiFilippo. And DiFilippo is kind of known as a quarterback whisperer, right? I mean, obviously, Doug Peterson gets a lot of credit for how well, for for selecting Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. for how well Carson Wentz played right out of the blocks as a rookie. And even though Carson Wentz kind of struggled, you know, his second half of his rookie season, as did the Eagles, uh, Carson Wentz was on his way and probably would have won the MVP had he not hurt his knee. Because, you know, Tom Brady had a great season and the Patriots had a good season. But I think Wentz would have beaten Tom Brady. He would have. Yeah. He had he'd had better numbers, and it was viewed as more of a surprise what he what he brought to the to the to the equation. And I think now we've seen that the Eagles were pretty good since they ended up winning the Super Bowl even without Carson Wentz. Right. But but Carson Wentz sort of won the MVP, and deservedly so. And and in Chad Graff's piece, he talks about how the Eagles dispatched DiFilippo, DiFilippo, however you pronounce it. I think it's DeFilippo. DeFilippo. I've up heard to, both, though. And they are in, so North Dakota State is in Fargo, right? Yep, yep. It's North Dakota's in Grand Rap, Grand uh, Forks. Grand Forks, yep. And and that after spending time and studying Carson Wentz, 
And look, a lot of NBA people had Wentz high in that draft, right? But he's the one that made the call. They said that they he said we're going to do what we have to do to go get him. He also had a lot to do with Oakland drafting David Carr. Okay? Who's been very good. Derek but, Carr. Derek Carr. Now they had a bad year last year. Okay, uh, the, you know the the Raiders didn't have a very good year, and it's and he Derek got Carr, hurt and, and he got hurt. But, but I yeah. think everyone was pretty impressed with him, and that was not so obvious. He was taken after Teddy, mm-hmm. after he was taken after a lot of guys. He was the guy that brought David Fails into San Jose State. Remember him? Yeah. Uh, in, in other words, he has got a history of having both sides of the quarterback whisper, the the ability to spot them, to spot who you should select. And the ability to coach those that he has. Mm-hmm. And the year that he was the offensive coordinator in Cleveland, they had 4,000 yards offense at passing and like 3,500 yards rushing. I mean, or something like that. I have to look at the numbers. But this is a guy that seems to have the ability to spot quarterbacks. So I, I'm going to trust whatever he does. And and if he has put his if he thinks of his of his options, which are you know the Vikings have got the option of Case Keenum, right? All they have to do is franchise tag him. But if he says, "Look, Kirk Cousins is worth it. Let's go for it." I'm going to trust DiFilippo. He's done it before. He spotted guys. He has spotted quarterbacks. And and I don't think there's probably anything more difficult in all of sports. Maybe drafting pitching in Major League Baseball is difficult. Mm-hmm. But but is 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 identifying good quarterbacks. I mean, look at the draft busts. I've got to think the quarterback position is the highest level of draft busts of any other position. It's the it's the most difficult one to spot. Yeah, and the most important. And so, I you know for so if if he's the guy calling the shots here and he says I want to go after Kirk Cousins, I'm all in. I don't know. That's my view. I trust the guy. I I trust his judgment too. I just the only thing with Kirk Cousins is, you know, is the price tag. Are you going to get into a bidding war with like the Jets or the Cart? I don't think the Cardinals have any have enough cap space, and I don't think the Broncos do either because the Broncos have popped up there too with Kirk Cousins. But the Jets have a lot of have a lot of cap space, and if the Jets are going to throw thirty thirty five million dollars at Kirk Cousins, do the Vikings want to get into that kind of a bidding war? Yeah, I I think you know the the rule is this: there are certain things that if you're gonna if you're gonna buy them, price can't be a factor. Furniture, uh, don't buy cheap furniture. Don't buy cheap shoes. Don't buy cheap booze, uh, don't buy cheap golf balls, and don't buy cheap quarterbacks either. That's what I would say. If you want to, if the quarterbacks, if you think he's good, you you don't let money get in the way. We're going to take a break, have a little traffic, and when we come back, uh, Matthew Collar will join us to talk more Vikings. All right, Matthew Collar, I, I got a question for you. Uh, Matthew Collar, 1500ESPN.com, uh, football writer extraordinaire. Uh, all right, Matthew, here it is. Three, two guys, both in the primes of their careers, were free agents. One, I'm going to give you some numbers on him, was a four-year starter. Uh, he was two games over 500 in those four years of starting. He had an average approximate value. I don't know if you're aware of that stat. That's that's kind of a – it's like a win shares type deal in football. Average of 12, which puts him as an above-average starter. He'd been to one Pro Bowl. He played in one playoff game. Uh, and in that playoff game, he was 31 out of 42 for 319 yards, two TDs, and an interception, but his team lost. The other one is a three-year starter. Over that time, he's one game over 500. He has an average approximate value of 13. He also had been to one Pro Bowl. He also had played in one uh, playoff game, went 29 for 46 for 329 yards, one TD, zero interceptions, and also lost that playoff game. Uh, do you know who those two guys are? Uh, well, one of them is uh, probably Kirk Cousins, yes. and maybe the other. Well, I don't know who the other one is. Drew 
Breeze. Oh, okay. And and the difference between the two, Drew Brees back in 2006, in other words, if you look at what they, what they both had done in their first early years, they both, you know, they, you know Drew Brees was a second-round pick. Uh, Kirk Cousins was a fourth-round pick, I believe. Both guys didn't start right away. They both had started, Drew Brees, like I said, for four years. Kirk Cousins for three years were their full-time starters. Uh, they both had similar numbers. They both had similar success. Uh and Drew Brees had one big drawback, though, that he'd had a serious injury that he incurred in the last game, his last San Diego game, when they were out of the playoffs, and because Marty Schottenheimer was in a dispute with the GM AJ Smith, and he wouldn't play Kurt, he wouldn't play Philip Rivers uh, in the last game, even though the uh, Saints were out of the playoffs that year, and and Drew Brees got a serious shoulder injury on a sack by John Lynch, uh, that all of a sudden they went with Philip Rivers, which made sense because Drew Brees was injured. Other than that, uh, it worked out pretty well how Drew Brees turned out. Uh, and by the way, that same year, uh, the Dolphins, both the Dolphins, the Dolphins, the Saints, and uh, the Chargers all gave an offer to Breeze. Uh, but at the last minute, the Dolphins signed Dante Culpepper instead of Drew Breeze. Uh, the Saints uh, signed Drew Breeze, and you know, a Super Bowl later, and and you know, twelve years of success later, Drew Breeze is still playing at a Hall of Fame level, and will be going into the Hall of Fame. Now, I don't mean to say that that means that Kirk Cousins is going to be Drew Breeze, but but I was just struck by the. I, by the by, the similarity of the situations. Yeah, similar, I guess, on the surface, but you look a little deeper and maybe not as much. I mean, in 2006, I uh, just pulled this up, the average quarterback rating for the NFL was 78. Uh, last year it was 85. I mean, so quarterback play, even within the last decade, has gone yes. way up. So w- the numbers that Breeze put up then are better than the numbers that Cousins put up now. Uh, the other uh, part of that that I would say is just that uh, it, it almost reminds me more with Breeze of Teddy Bridgewater, where Breeze uh, was criticized a lot for the arm strength, and uh, maybe he uh, wasn't quite the tallest guy, or didn't have you know with Bridgewater you get the, he doesn't have the the perfect throwing motion or something like that. But there's a few things that they have in common, and and one of them is just that they are great with uh, anticipation and, and accuracy, and that's something that. Kirk Cousins is not always the, the greatest with. So when, and, and the age, too. I mean, uh, Drew Brees was really Teddy Bridgewater's age when all that went down. He was like, what, 26 or maybe 27? Yeah, he, Whereas, was, right. he, was, 20, he was 27 when he, in his first year with the uh, Saints, and, and Cousins will be 30 in his first year, whoever he plays for this fall. Right. So, I mean, the difference there being that uh, Drew Brees had, you know, had those early years and some of his some of his struggles in the early years as a rookie and a young quarterback where Kirk Cousins has started for three full seasons and, you know, his shortcomings were probably the reason that he didn't start before. I mean, not that he's not a likable quarterback or that he's good. And and I think, I actually think that the pro football focus ratings of his last three seasons are right on for where I would put him. If you take the average of them, they ranked him 14th in 2015, 9th in 2016 and 19th this year. And that's a, that seems about right to me when his supporting cast is, is playing really well and when he has Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon, he's a little bit better. He might sneak into the top ten. And when things don't go his way, he's probably a third-tier quarterback. And that's kind of the way I see him, and that's where I would hesitate when it comes to giving him $30 million a year over five years. And that's what it's coming down to given the fact that, and I know when you and I spoke about this you know, weeks ago, and I ask you to rank the choices, and we both agreed that if Drew Brees was available, which I doubt he will be, uh, that would be the number one choice, and I would still stand there. And then I think you had said 
that if, if you know, the Vikings know whether Teddy Bridgewater is going to be healthy or not, or if he's on his way to being healthy or not, that you would have ranked Teddy as the next choice. And then after that, you would have gone Kirk Cousins. So I'm guessing that your choice is that if Teddy's not healthy, you would still say it might make some sense to go after Kirk Cousins. Yeah, it does. Uh, but, you know, I also wouldn't count out some of the other options entirely. Now, I mean, I think Cousins is the guy that they will chase and that all the reports are probably right that if they don't believe in Bridgewater's knee. And, uh, by the way, I tried to uh, bait Rick Spielman into giving me any indication about that uh, today, and uh, I can report that it didn't work, uh, about, what, about where Bridgewater actually stands and how confident they are that he can return to being his old self. And basically he just said, well, we know that. And I'm like, okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, so let's just assume that they don't believe that Bridgewater's coming back. So then it comes down to Cousins or is someone else going to come available after the draft? Or is there a quarterback that you can draft instead? And those, those are riskier than Kirk Cousins, but the difference in how they're going to perform with this supporting cast might not be that much. I mean, just – Here's an example might be uh, Ryan Tannehill. I mean, he's coming off a knee injury too, but uh, if you look at Ryan Tannehill's last season in Miami, things were starting to come together for him. He got them into the playoffs, averaged almost eight yards per attempt, and he's got a more favorable contract. Or, you know, I don't think that the Bills are going to move on from Tyrod Taylor, but if they put him out in the trade market because they trade up and draft Josh Rosen or something, I mean, these are quarterbacks that are in the same tier as cousins and have some of the same criticisms and some of the same strengths that you also wouldn't have to pay $150 million for. So there's, there, there is a, a lot to like about cousins game, but there's also this economic question that's lingering too. But you have said, uh, given the Vikings, you know, you know, it, it's like, you know, you save your money, you save your money, you save your money. And someday you die and you left a lot of money behind you. And, you know, <laughs> the Vikings have saved all their money on the cap space. And it seems like if you're ever going to splurge, and use that cap space money. Obviously, the goal is to win a Super Bowl, and this team seems equipped to win a Super Bowl. And if they have the right quarterback, uh, you know, last year with Case Keenum, they were certainly on the verge of it. They're one game away from getting to the Super Bowl. Uh, and given what Philadelphia, did, you know, the Philadelphia did the same thing to the Patriots that they did to the Vikings, although the game was a little closer. You know, the Vikings just lost to a better team, and you know, and that's the way it is. They're one team away from getting there. Uh, it would seem to me that that if you believe that Kirk Cousins is really the guy that can get you the Super Bowl, you get it done, and the Vikings have the ability to do that given their given their uh, uh, situation with their salary cap, right? No, they, they do. Yeah, I mean they they can fit him in and they can re-sign all the players that they want to re-sign: Eric Hendricks, Anthony Barr, Stephon Diggs, Daniel Hunter, maybe eventually Trey Waynes too. They can bring those guys back. I guess what, what you might say, what your math question might be, if Teddy Bridgewater is out of this conversation, uh, might be. Would you rather have Kirk Cousins or would you rather spend a bunch of money this offseason to get Sheldon Richardson and Andrew Norwell, who's a top guard from uh, Carolina, or uh, potentially Nate Solder, who's a left tackle from New England Patriots, and then maybe you'd move things around a little bit. Would you rather get the three or four most talented free agents to stock up your roster and then see what happens with the quarterback situation and how some of the chips fall or would you rather go all in right off the bat on Kirk Cousins? And I think that that's a pretty tough decision because as much as I do think Cousins is a good quarterback, I can't help but wonder about you know what the difference is between him and, and what some other options might be if Bridgewater is out of that conversation. And I, I think that there we've seen a, a number of quarterbacks who are kind of 
in the middle end up getting propped up and, and being on successful teams. And, and we even saw that from Case Keenum this year. And, and, you know, if I were them, I wouldn't, as much as you know, I am skeptical of Case Keenum. Would I rather have Keenum and all those other players or Cousins? I would say I'd rather have Keenum and all those other players. Wow. Interesting. Interesting take. All right, Matthew, thanks a lot. You're at the Combine? I am at the Combine, yes. What Have you learned anything today? Uh, well, talking to Rick Spielman, I didn't learn a lot, except for uh, I would say that they think that this is a pretty deep draft. Maybe they always say that, but also I think the draft analysts have said that too. So there is a, a pretty good chance, I think, that they're picking a guard or a tackle at the end of the first round, and those are the guys that they're going to spend a lot of time on. And also, Rick Spielman left the door open for a draft pick in the first round at the quarterback position. So I, I don't think that's going to happen. But, boy, would that be crazy if Lamar Jackson dropped or Baker Mayfield suddenly dropped and all of a sudden uh, the Minnesota Vikings end up shocking us all by picking a quarterback instead. All right, thanks, Matthew, and uh, appreciate your insight. Thank you. All right, thank you, Matthew Collar. We're going to take a break when we come back. Uh, by the way, who's the guy from uh, Wyoming? Josh. Josh. Josh Allen. Yeah, Josh Allen. Uh, you know, a lot of people have the Browns taking him number one. Have you looked at his college stats? Abysmal. They're, they're, yeah, they're, he, they're, they're almost they're almost a lot of that was circumstantial though yeah he didn't he, he wasn't surrounded by a lot of talent he got yeah, injured yeah he's Jake locker all over which which does me I, I, oh, I read I, I read a know. piece I read a piece on the in the athletic by uh Mizell. I'm trying to think what his first name is he great break and he's broke down every quarterback taken in the first two rounds in the last 10 years and any and every quarterback that had stats similar to him failed that in other words if you have great college stats that doesn't guarantee that you're going to be a great pro. If you have bad college stats, that's almost a sure red flag that you are not going to be a good pro. There's almost no exceptions. Uh, he, his numbers were, were were abysmal. He didn't finish first, second, or third team all-conference in his conference, and he's going to be the first pick in the NFL draft. Uh, sorry, I wouldn't be interested. And by the way, it tells you what's that makes it all the more likely the Browns will pick him, would be my, would be my guess. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I will have a sports update with Johnny Height. For a sports update with uh, Johnny Height. Thanks, Corzo. This update sponsored by Zelle. Seeing is a gift that needs protecting with yearly eye exams. Find a doctor near you at thinkaboutyoureyes.com and make an appointment today. Twin split squad action today. Miguel Sano made his spring debut in their 3 1 loss to Tampa. He was 0 for 2 in the ballgame. He did play in the field. He started at third base. Byron Buxton was 2 for 2, supplying the only Twins run with a home run. Aaron Slager started for the Twins, his second start of the spring. He went three innings, gave up four hits, one run, and struck out two. How many strikeouts for Sano, Johnny? Did he strike out both None, times? Zero. Really? He yeah. put the ball in play a couple no, times. Uh, huh? No walks, no strikeouts. So All I'm not right. sure where he put the ball in play, but he did. <laughs> In the other game, the Twins defeated the Astros 4-2. to two. Eric Ibar, trying to make the team as utility guy, was 2-3. for three. He's now 4-5 for five on the exhibition season. A. Ray Adrianza was 2-4 for four for the Twins. He had two RBIs. The Twins will play the Cardinals tomorrow. So I heard Mackie and Judd talking. Eric Ibar is kind of there to uh, might make the team because he might be able to get Miguel Sano in line. Is that what I've heard, that they're kind of... Uh, they're pretty tight, I guess, yeah. or they, they know each other pretty well. Yeah, that might be worth it. Even if he can yeah. hardly ever gets a hit, if he can, if he can get somebody to get Sano uh, to take something seriously, if he can get <laughs> Miguel to <clears throat> get in shape. Yeah. <clears throat> 
Big Ten tournament today uh, starts in New York City. The Gophers playing Rutgers at 7. Yeah, tonight. Do you think New York's excited about that Illinois-Iowa <laughs> matchup in Minnesota? Rutgers, you see Ricey's troll. He said, oh, the Gophers got screwed because they have to play Rutgers in a home game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that some people great. thought Patrick was serious about that. <laughs> they always think he's serious, yeah, which makes it, so much, exactly. makes it so much better. <laughs> Speaking with the Twin Cities media today at the Combine, Vikings GM Rick Spielman said the team has not made any final calls on the three quarterbacks that were yeah, on right. the roster last year. <laughs> Spielman said the Combine gives our organization an opportunity to sit down with all three of the quarterbacks' representatives. I think we're in a very unique situation because of the in-depth knowledge we have on all three. Also, the practical game knowledge we have because all three played for us. There's been no decisions made, he added, unlike what's been reported. Thanks, Rick. <laughs> one other Viking note, this one from my buddy Ben Gessling over at the Star Tribune. Uh, Viking guard Joe Berger, who had said at the end of last season he was leaning toward retiring at the age of 35. Uh, looks like he may be having a change of heart. League source says Berger, who played all but two of the Vikings' 1,115 snaps last season, is planning to play in 2018 and will explore free agency after the conclusion of his deal with the Vikings. A return to Minnesota could be a possibility, but he's also expected to have interest uh, with the Giants, where, of course, former Vikings offensive coordinator Pat Shermer is now the head coach. Uh, Carolina, the team that originally drafted him, hired former Vikings offensive coach Norv Turner as its new coordinator. And Berger's former offensive line coach Jeff Davidson has the same job in Detroit. And the Bears, who are also expected to have some interest in him, would provide another opportunity for him to play near his home in Grand Rapids, Michigan. How does somebody like that last so long Isn't that amazing? in the league? And, and the fact that he was the oldest guy on the offensive line and he played all but two snaps. Yeah. And you get that's hit on every single yeah. snap. Man. Everyone. That, that's when you go back to Jim Marshall, who played defensive line and played like 250 games in a row. It's, How do it's, they do it's, it? It's, it's amazing. And... But I'll tell you, two old guys the Vikings really should try to get back are Berger and Terrence Newman. I mean, they really should. I don't know yeah. if they'll be able to, but, uh, the, you know, they can't afford to lose another offensive lineman given uh, their status there. Uh, speaking of the Giants and Shermer, the Giants think Eli Manning has multiple years left as a starting quarterback, and they're open to trading down from the number 2 overall pick in this year's draft. Uh, Coach Shermer said today at the scouting combine he thought Manning, quote, has years left as a starting quarterback in this league. NFL has a new official pizza sponsor. That didn't get anything out of either one of you two no. nerds. Yeah. He, he paused there so you one of you two <laughs> nerds could say something. <laughs> okay. He, he might. I mean, Eli's, what, 36? Eli's an interesting guy because other than his two Super Bowls, which is a big other, right? I mean, that's mm, big. He sure. won two Super yeah, Bowls. Huge. His stats are, he's a pretty average it's quarterback. Kind of, it's kind of meh. Yeah. He, he's kind of an average, not not good. I mean, he's really okay. not a Hall of Famer. So I think I hear what you're saying. Both of you, I can translate this. You like the guy but he's a stiff. Correct. I think that's yeah, what that's you're saying. saying. I, I he's have, a nice guy, but he's a stiff. I have always said if I had both Manning brothers, I would take Peyton in the regular season, and I would turn the reins over to there Eli. Yeah, that's house. exactly right. <laughs> NFL has a new official pizza sponsor. Yesterday we found out Papa John's and the NFL were terminating their longstanding partnership. Well, today Pizza Hut and the NFL announced that they had gone into business together. Terry Lefton of Sports Business Daily reports the NFL's deal with Pizza Hut is worth more than the deal that Papa John. And I'm guessing the CEO of Pizza Hut won't be making any statements about players taking a knee one way or the other. I'm going to guess you're correct. I would think not. And uh, the list today came out from USA Today of uh, college basketball coaches, how much they earn, uh, the top earners. Uh, Mike Krzyzewski, not surprisingly, is the top earner, $8.98 million. 
John Calipari, $7.45 million, is number two. Ohio State's Chris Holtman is third on the list at $7.14 million. And really? Yeah. Fact, he earned it this year. Yeah, he did. But not, wow. There are four Big Ten coaches making at least $3 million. We got Holtman at uh, $7.14. Uh, Tom Izzo at Michigan State makes three point six five. Michigan's John Beeline makes three point three seven, And Indiana's Archie Miller makes three point two. Wait, so Holtman's making almost twice as much as Izzo? That's correct. Yep, wow, 7.14. Yeah, and Izzo's not in any position now to ask for a raise. No, he's That's certainly not. <laughs> certainly not. But This would yeah. be bad timing. Yeah, this wow. would be bad timing. And, and, and amazing, just I'll throw it in there, Tom Thibodeau is making $8 million a year. So you had to get a tip. <laughs> yeah, I did. He hadn't yourself. earned any of it yet. That's that a boy. That a boy, Corzo. Yeah, I'm just worried. I'm going to say today. nice things about Andrew Wiggins at 5 o'clock, so oh, stay I tuned. Stay I'll, tuned. I'll believe that when I hear it. <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> You one more? more? I'm sorry. Yeah, just one more. There we okay. go. I, I was falling asleep here. What can I say? <laughs> a judge has broadened the scope of a lawsuit filed by female student-athletes who claim St. Cloud State University has offered more opportunities for men in athletics than for women. The Chief U.S. District Judge John Thunheim has granted class action status in the Title IX lawsuit against the university in a case initially brought by women on the tennis and Nordic ski teams. The judge allowed other female student-athletes to join the lawsuit, but the St. Cloud Times also reports the judge dismissed a damages claim in the lawsuit. That means the athletes will not be able to get any monetary Corzo, damage. you said you are falling asleep. I might have to check your temperature if you're going to start complimenting Andrew Wiggins. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Sure it, it, okay. it, it, it won't be a backhanded compliment. It kind of will, but not really. We'll talk later. <laughs> Thanks, but before, but when we come back, we'll have a little traffic, and then we'll talk about what will be a merciful and early end to the Gophers basketball season. On the screen, I've got the that that riveting 12-13 matchup in Madison Square Garden between Iowa and Illinois. Uh, Iowa leads uh, 6-5. Uh, the Gophers uh, will play when this game is over at 7 o'clock tonight. And Look run- at that raucous crowd, Corzo. Yeah, and yeah, I, I saw Wayne. Who's who, uh, Jim Delaney? Is that the Big Ten commissioner? Yes. Came out. I keep wanting to say Wayne Duke. That's aging me when he was the Big Ten commissioner about 15, 20 years ago. But you know, moving. You know, the the Big Ten's constant effort to 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 grasp the New York market oh. is is just. I get that the Big Ten is trying in so many ways to make more money. That's what all businesses do, and don't make any mistake. Uh, college athletics is a big business, and conferences are in the business of making money for their member schools. And the Big Ten probably does as well at that. I bet the Big Ten makes more money than any other conference when you combine everything. I'm sure they do. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to do it, but when you look at what the Big Ten uh, hockey has done and the Big Ten network has done to hockey and what it's... I don't mind the regular season where the Gophers are playing games at all different times because, you know, what? what if you're really... If you're a Big Ten basketball fan, uh, I like that you can watch almost, you, almost every single... I'm not talking every single Gophers Big Ten game. I think every single every Big single Ten game. game you can either catch on FS1 or or whatever whatever bevy of networks they have deals with. I think every Big Ten game you can watch every Big Ten game you want. That's mm-hmm. nice if you're a big. Uh, and I'll say when the Gophers are good, I watch a lot of other Big Ten games. When the Gophers are bad, I don't because it's like what difference does it make, right? <laughs> and they're bad this year, but but as the Gophers get ready to play Rutgers tonight and you know who knows whether they win that game or not, and then they play Indiana and you know they'd probably lose that game. Uh, it doesn't matter uh, because it, and it was nice to see Jordan Murphy get second team All Big Ten, and and I really think Nate Mason this year, Nate Mason this year had 
a tremendous season. I mean, yeah, his shooting percentage was down because he had to do everything. I feel terrible for him, man. You know, he and when you look at where he ranks, he's like fifth in scoring. He's number one in assists. I mean, you can make an you know the the greatest. You know, I'm not going to put him up there with Ray Williams or with uh, 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 Vashawn Leonard or or probably even with uh, certainly not Bobby Bobby Jackson's at the top of the mountain. Okay, when it yep. comes to Gopher guards, uh, what he did. But he's right in that conversation after Bobby Jackson. Mm-hmm. And and he's in the conversation of the one of the best point guards because Bobby Jackson was not a point guard. He had to play point at some times because Eric Harris got hurt. Yep. And he could play point, but he wasn't the point guard. And, you know, Ariel McDonald, you know, Melvin Newburn, you know, these are these are kind of the guys at the top of the food chain. But but I think I'd put Nate Mason right up there with any of those guys. I have a real soft spot in my heart for Melvin Newburn on those Clem teams. Uh was great. But 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 you know, he probably deserves some first, second, or third team love. But I think it got to the point where you know your team is four and fourteen. But 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 and that was what was kind of disappointing about the way they played after Lynch got suspended and after Amir Coffey got hurt, because they still have two of the you know Nate Mason and and regardless of how you name the teams, Nate Mason and Jordan Murphy are two of the top fifteen players in the Big Ten. Yeah, they are. And I agree. Yeah. And you know Nate Mason's numbers got hurt this year because he had to take so many shots that he otherwise wouldn't have taken. So his shooting percentages were down. But, man, the kid played great. Uh, I thought, he, you know, his shooting was not as good as it could be, but he had to take so many tough shots, yeah. given what they had to work with. And and so now we get into the situation where this season's going to end. Uh, this is really two of the last three seasons. The last three seasons for uh, Patino have been interesting. You know, his first season was a lot of fun. They lost a lot of close games. They won the NIT. Mm-hmm. The second season was kind of a disappointment. They A lot of people thought they'd make the tournament, and they really didn't do very well. The third season was a disaster. The fourth season was great. Uh, and then Mason got hurt, and Akeem got hurt late, and they didn't advance in the tournament. But still, that was a good season last year. And this year, such great expectations, and really the second disaster in the last three years for Patino. And and obviously he can't control players getting suspended. People say, "Oh, that's Patino's fault that 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 uh, Reggie Lynch got into trouble." I don't think that's his fault. Uh, and also, you can't blame him that Eric Curry got hurt, and then that Amir Coffey got hurt, and then the Debris McPrayer has been hurt, and Nate Mason is even banged up now. You, you can't blame him for that. What you can't blame him for is that coming into this season, they essentially had six guys, and then you hope that Jelly would be their seventh guy, and maybe mm-hmm. and maybe Jameer Harris would be their eighth guy. And Jameer Harris did not have a very good season. And Jelly, at the end of the year, started to show some signs. But even then, he's he doesn't know how to play basketball, right? And you could just see there was a battle with between him and Patino all year, right? Yeah. There was a lot of games where Jelly didn't play very much. And then at the end, he, he played. And even at the end, Jelly just took his opportunity to just jack up shots indiscriminately too often, right? And I'm, I don't know. Is Jelly going to leave? I've not heard that. But there was obviously some tension there. Uh, you know, because I got a hunch he's gonna leave, and I, I, do too. I don't, I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not tied in. I don't have any sources or anything like that. I just, I just don't know. No, if the, I mean, I don't know if the fit is very. There good. There were times when when Amir Coffee was hurt, and there were games when 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 he hardly played. Yeah, he, he didn't play much when they beat Iowa. For I remember example. that Miami game. I was at that Miami game where he just he played terrible, and he. Started out in the second half, and Patino had to sit him like yep. two or three minutes into the second half because he was just and, throwing up crazy shots, turning the ball over, just all kinds of stuff. And then even when all when their lineup was decimated, he had some games he hardly played. Yeah. And I'm thinking if I'm Jelly, I'm going, look at what, you're playing Michael Hurt, you're playing Devontae Fitzgerald, you're playing these guys, and I can't get on the court? Well, there's a reason. I, I, don't, I don't hold that against Patino, but that could be a problem. You know what else I think 
hurt hurt them too. And I know we got a break here in about a minute or so. The fact that they have basically got nothing out of Kanate and Juju. Well, that was that was that was coaching malpractice to recruit those guys. And there was yeah. that story that he got some money for the program or some kickbacks. Remember that? Yeah. Because those are two roster spots that they 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 with, they're with not, where they're at like. In, in terms of like the class that they're in, like you need to be getting more out of those and two rosters. That's spots. my point. That yeah. that when you yeah, any team that loses Lynch, Curry, and Amir Coffee, three of your top six guys isn't going to be as good as you thought. Right. But when you have two of the top fifteen guys in the Big Ten, if your other guys, the guys you weren't counting on, were at least are at least decent, are at least Division One players. Right. You you should have been better, and that's on Patino. And you know next year we'll see. You know they got the three freshmen coming in, and they have Amir Coffee and Eric Kerr, Eric Curry, and and uh, you know they're 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 gonna they're gonna have some players next year. We'll see, but I'm not against R- Richard Pitino's coaching, but his his recruiting has got to get better. Mm-hmm. He's had one great class. Now he did recruit Mason. He got lucky to get Murphy. Those are two great gets. Mm-hmm. But he recruited Mason. Mason's one of the best players in Gophers history. But in five years, that's about it. That he's recruited. You know he got lucky on on a uh, 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 Murphy, but he got him. So those are two really and good players. And he got coffee, you know. And he it got helped, coffee. It helped getting coffee because his dad is an right. alumni. So and all in five that years, too, he's but... had three really good players. Yeah, you know. So he's got to do better. Uh, we'll take a break and come back and wrap up the first hour. Yeah, Manny and I were talking during the break, uh, and, and it has been my criticism of Richard Pitino. One, I, I think he's a good coach. I, I mean, I like the way his teams play, and I, I think, think he is too, and yeah. I think he's handled some some adverse uh, situations uh, well. But it's just a matter of how much can he can he recruit, you know. And he seems like a guy that really really goes for the big time recruits and isn't, you know. He got a mirror was a big time recruit, uh, and he's got a, and Jelly was a big time recruit. It hasn't turned out to be that good, but uh, you know, for him at, at the end of the day, he's got to he's got to recruit more guys. You he know? needs a, he needs a good year next year though. Yeah, you know, he needs a good year next year because that, I mean, I he, I give him a pass this year because of all the injuries and he you couldn't really have predicted the the Reggie Lynch thing, but. That Big Ten record, he's oh, thirty-one it's, it's, and fifty-nine. It's worse than 10. Munson's. Yeah, it's worse than Munson's. And you know, next year they're going to have Jordan Murphy, Dupree McBrayer. They're starting lineup: Murphy, McBrayer, uh, Coffee, Curry, and probably Jelly. You know, that's yeah. going to be the. You're going to have to have Jelly become a player, and, and then they'll have some bench guys with the three freshmen coming in, and maybe Amir Harris can do more than hit an occasional three. I don't know, or Jameer Harris. We'll see. But uh, it's not like next year they're going to be favored to win the Big Ten or anything. You know, could they be in the tournament? Maybe. Especially with the Big Ten down. I mean, the Big Ten this year might only get four teams in the tournament. You know that? Yeah. You know, there's four that are pretty much locks. You know, Nebraska or Penn State are going to have to do something in this tournament to get in. Uh, And I don't know that they're capable of doing that. When we come back, top of the hour, I've teased it. I'm going to give some love. Not very much, but some love to Andrew Wiggins. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 1. She was a city girl, but always somewhere else in her head. Somewhere where bison roam, rivers flow, and people get their hiking boots dirty. Like, actually dirty. So one day she fled west and discovered this place of beauty, history, and a delicious taste of adventure. But before she knew it, she was driving away with memories to share and the hopes of returning. Because there's so much South Dakota, so little time.